Chapter Number Three of A Bachelor's Dream by Mrs. Hungerford. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Hang the brats! exclaimed Dr. Brudnell angrily. If this goes on for long, they'll drive me mad, I swear. He was annoyed, chafed, irritated more out of temper than he had ever been before the preceding week had been to him a period of purgatory the calm of his house was broken his study was no longer a sanctuary the maids were flurried mrs jessop spoiled the soup the bachelor transformed suddenly into a family man without any preliminary steps was amazed and bewildered the sufferings of his married acquaintances filled him with a grotesque feeling of pity with the sincerest sympathy he especially commiserated laura's husband for the three children had turned out to be three empathetic editions of laura with additions just now the uproar which had caused the master of the house to spring up from the dinner was more than usually vociferous. the three had escaped from their extemporized nursery and had shouted and tumbled tumultuously down the staircase and into the hall the street door happened to be open and the consequences were disastrous one rushed down the steps with a scream triumph which changed into a shrill shriek of anger as he was pursued captured and brought back by patrick in spite of violent kicking and struggling another backing unconsciously toward the kitchen staircase overbalanced and descended with a succession of startling bumps fell into a tray of glasses with a terrific crash while the third and youngest not precisely comprehending what was the matter but being of a highly sympathetic temperament threw himself upon the devoted patrick screaming kicking and scratching furiously which added to the shouts of the youth whom patrick carried upside down and the wails of the unfortunate whom mrs jessop had just rescued from the debris of the glass swelled the uproar into a chorus that was almost deafening the doctor sat down again and took up his knife and fork with an energy which sent the gravy flying over the snowy cloth confound the little wretches i'll advertise to-morrow he said the noise outside subsided a little as mrs jessop appeared upon the scene but the next moment it broke out again growing louder as the staircase was mounted evidently mrs jessop intended to put the rebels to bed a resolution which did not apparently please them for dr brudnell distinctly heard his elder nephew threaten to punch the head of that worthy woman while his brother and sister appeared to be trying to dance upon her toes then came a cessation of the hubbub sudden and soothing 
and the doctor finished his dinner in peace crossing the hall toward his study a little later with the intention of getting a book to add to the enjoyment of a fine very fine flavored cigar he encountered mrs jessop somewhat flushed and tumbled coming downstairs and stopped to speak to her well mrs jessop got rid of your charges for to-night eh he said good-humouredly that i haven't sir for to go to bed they wouldn't i've seen a good many children but never did i see children so set upon their own way as them children declared mrs jessop emphatically the doctor felt that this was correct his opinion being that any children in the least degree resembling laura's luckily did not exist anywhere oh spoilt mrs jessop he remarked judicially spoilt that's it they'll be better you'll find when we get a good strict governess for them and that reminds me i must certainly advertise for one to-morrow i don't know how it is that it has slipped my memory for so long so they're not in bed the young rogues eh no sir they're with miss Boucheffen. with her you should not have allowed it you should not have let them go in said the doctor quickly and peremptorily i couldn't help it sir returned the housekeeper stolidly they started making such a racket of stamping and screaming outside her door that she heard and opened it to ask what was the matter of course they were for rushing in before i could keep them back and so she said let them stay a while and she would keep them still and so there they are and she telling them some fairy tale nonsense well well exclaimed the doctor and then added how does miss boutchiffin seem to-day better i think sir she seems so she asked me to say that if you were at liberty she would be glad if you could spare her a few minutes tell her i will come up presently said dr brudnell going on to his study don't let those young torments stay there long enough to tire her mrs jessop if you please she is still very weak but when he went upstairs half an hour later he found that mrs jessop had not yet succeeded in getting the young torments out of mrs boutchefian's room miss boutchefian was sitting in a great chair by the fire her dark hair streaming over her shoulders and with the chicken grouped about her floss on her knee maggie perched on the arm of her chair and tom kneeling at her feet all three listening intently to what she was telling them what it was the doctor did not hear for the group broke up at his entrance tom sprang to his feet maggie jumped down and miss boutchefian let floss slip from her knees to the floor oh uncle i wish you hadn't come 
cried tom it was such a lovely story lamented maggie whose five-year-old vocabulary was but limited while floss whose name was short for ferdinand and who had perhaps not yet fully recovered from the shock of his tumble down the kitchen stairs contented himself with surveying his relative with an implacable expression as he sucked his thumb i will finish the story to-morrow perhaps said mrs Boutchafen quietly go to bed now see mrs jessop is waiting for you they went without a murmur indeed they hardly looked sulky but walked off in the wake of mrs jessop very unlike laura's children the doctor thought he was amazed and stood for a few moments after the door had closed behind them quite silent and looking at alexa Boutchafen. a month had passed since the night of the attempted murder in rockmore street and although during that time she had lived under his roof george brutonel knew no more of this girl than her name one thing however he did know and was growing to know better day by day that she was beautiful with a beauty that was to him unique startling he had seen none like it before she had risen as the children left the room and stood with her hand resting upon the mantel shelf her eyes gazing downward at the fire her head above the level of his he looked at her thinking how beautiful she was and thinking not for the first time either that she was not sure whether that very beauty did not repel rather than charm him for it seemed to have at once the glitter of ice and the hardness of stone her large dark bright eyes seemed to pierce him but they never touched his heart a smile sometimes broke the perfect lines of her lips but never reached those eyes the natural play of her features seemed to be checked she appeared to be as incapable of tears as of laughter of grief as of joy no rush of warm blood ever tinted the strange pallor of her cheeks with crimson her voice was rich and full but there was a jarring note in its melancholy music the girl was like marble breathing moving living but marble still the doctor waited for her to speak but either from perseverity or indifference she stood like a statue and would not even raise her eyes he was forced to break the silence which embarrassed him and he knew that he spoke awkwardly i think he said that you wish to speak to me yes sir if you please this was another anomaly her words were always of a meek and submissive character but her voice her look her gestures were those of a queen the doctor felt this 
but hardly its incredulity as she slowly resumed her seat and signed to him to be seated also i am quite at your service of course he replied as he sat down but first let me ask how you are feeling i am well she answered gravely a little weak still perhaps but it will pass i wish ah pardon me i am forgetting that i am not to thank you sir she had attempted to thank him before when she first recovered her senses and realized her position but he had sensitively deprecated that on the same day she had told him her name told him that she was french that in england she was friendless and that of what little she possessed she had been robbed by the man whom he had seen attack her a man whom she had never seen before and this was all that he knew about her he wanted to know more but he sat before her wondering how to phrase his questions in spite of his curiosity he would have deferred them had it been possible but it was not possible and he broke the silence timidly for as he spoke she looked at him full in the face with her dark eyes miss Bouchafen, if you are strong enough to allow of it as i said sir i am well i must with your permission ask you a few questions he hesitated almost confused under her steady gaze i am presuming that you would rather reply to me than to be questioned by a police officer i do prefer it sir then said the doctor this man who so murderously attacked you you can tell nothing about him nothing sir i know nothing absolutely nothing absolutely you do not know his motive ah sir you forget he robbed me true true the doctor returned a slight flush tinting his cheeks for he fancied that he detected a mocking gleam in her eyes a suspicion of a smile curving her lips true i had forgotten pray pardon me he said but the attack was so violent the blow so savage the weapon must have been so keen that it is almost impossible to connect it with a mere attempt to commit a paltry robbery i thought and the police thought that it was a case of intended murder ah sir they are clever your police but they sometimes make mistakes is it not so dr brudenell's face flushed crimson was she laughing at him it looked like it he was taken aback discomfited he did not know how to go on but she gave him no chance for she spoke herself emphasizing her words by rapid gestures and much energetic waving of her white hands listen then sir this is all i know that this man followed me why i have no idea 
that he came upon me suddenly in the solitary street and asked me for money that when i refused he tore my purse away that as i seized his arm and screamed he wrenched it free and struck me with what you tell me was a dagger i know no more but what you tell me nothing george brudnell listening and looking believed after all his own fancy was but a fancy the theory of the sergeant and the inspector was only a theory a mere empty possibility unsupported by fact he abandoned both ideas forthwith miss Butchiffin, could you recognize this man i think not i am sure not she shook her head her eyes fixed musingly upon the fire it was dark no i could not recognize him nor could i unfortunately and yet you saw him i saw him yes but only well enough to know that he was young tall and dark and such a description would apply equally well to a hundred men within a stone's throw of the house at the present moment true admitted alexia Butchiffin calmly since you can give me absolutely no clue i am afraid that the chances of capturing him particularly after the lapse of a month are so small as to be worth nothing less than nothing she assented it would be better to abandon the endeavor i am afraid that is what will have to be done from sheer lack of groundwork to work upon but it is horrible said the doctor rising with an unusual display of excitement absolutely horrible to think of this scoundrel's going scot-free it is abominable that such things should be possible in the heart of a great city such as this a smile parted the girl's lips but it did not light up her drooping eyes the smile seemed to imply that such a city held secret stranger things than that dr brudnell did not see the smile he was a clever man but it would have been far beyond his fathoming if he had seen it he returned to his chair and sat down again in asking my questions miss Butchiffin, i have forgotten yours i assume that you wish to ask me some yes she looked straight into his eyes again and her slender hands were clasped firmly together he fancied he detected an expression of doubt and anxiety in her glance sir i have said that i am almost strong you know that i am so it follows then that i shall be able soon to leave here yes it certainly followed that such an event would take place the doctor acknowledged it but at the very thought he experienced a strange sense of loss she was so young so beautiful so friendless where would she go what would she do 
he was silent and waited for her to continue speaking it seemed that she drew courage from his look for after she had glanced at him with eager scrutiny she went on abruptly i shall be able to leave but i do not desire it i am alone i am friendless penniless dr brutnell i beg you let me remain remain he echoed in bewilderment yes why should i not i have been a governess it was to be a governess that i came to this england of yours it is a governess that you require for the children your nephews and niece your housekeeper told me so but a little while ago i should be industrious i could teach them well suffer me then to remain the doctor hesitated feeling uneasy astonished puzzled did she mean it did she fully realize what she was doing she young beautiful talented in pleading to be tied down to the dull routine of a nursery governess did she remember that beneath his roof her position might be questioned by carping feminine tongues he remembered it not for his own sake but for hers but he only answered overcoming his first feeling of surprise but my dear young lady you must be perfectly aware that your attainments are far beyond those required for the teaching of such young children as these ah sir yes but are beggars then choosers dr brundell got up walked to the window and back again it is a fact he said slowly that in london you have no friends yourself she replied and beyond no one then until you wish to leave or until some more suitable and congenial sphere of work is opened for you remain my child george brunnell speaking thus had forgotten her beauty her queen-like dignity and remembered only her youth and helplessness he went downstairs with an odd feeling thinking how quickly with what almost disconcerting rapidity she had after her point was gained recovered that icy composure of manner remembering too how cold and lifeless her hand had laid in his when she gave it in saying good-night but he was glad that she was going to stay he had that curious sense of relief from tension which is the result of anxiety removed as though to protect her to befriend and keep her safe were an object which had long lain near her, his heart he was a little astonished but he explained his feeling to himself she was too young and far too beautiful to live friendless in the modern babylon called london he rang for mrs jessop and explained to that excellent woman this new phase of affairs mrs jessop respectfully listening received the news in a manner 
which could hardly be termed gracious but prudently gave but small expression to her opinions mrs jessop's situation in the doctor's household was a very comfortable one and she did not desire to lose it but mrs jessop's eyes were as keen as those of most women in fact which she often insisted upon when talking to various confidential friends so keen indeed that they sometimes descried things which did not exist at present however mrs jessop merely told herself that if miss Buchefin had not been quite so handsome her chance of remaining in her present quarters would not have been by any means so great mrs jessop having formed this acute conviction walked out of the dining-room and went down to her snug sitting-room where sitting down by the fire she fell to darning a tablecloth while she thought things over she had arrived at a conclusion that would have astonished her master and she chanced to want more cotton and rose to get it from her work-box and among the reels and hanks of tape she saw something that astonished her i declare said mrs jessop to herself if i haven't forgot to give it to her after all it was the only thing which had been found upon alexia Buchefin, the tiny roll of paper covered with its grotesque red characters and tied with its piece of faded silk rather ashamed of her forgetfulness and neglect the housekeeper took it and went upstairs at once to the new governess's room alexia was sitting by the fire almost as dr brudnell had left her her chin drooping upon her hands her face almost hidden by her hair she started at mrs jessop's entrance flung back the black tresses and looked up what is it i am sure i am very sorry miss mrs jessop faltered finding herself forced into somewhat reluctant respect before the bright gaze of the imperious eyes and i hope you'll excuse my forgetfulness i quite forgot until just this moment to give you this for a moment the girl stared languidly at the extended hand then with a cry sprang suddenly from her chair seized the little packet and pressed it passionately to her lips and to her breast ah she cried he did not take it he did not take it he did not take it incoherently repeating the words and redoubling her strange caresses take it miss exclaimed the astonished mrs jessop why what should he want to take it for the murdering villain and how could he take it seeing that it was fast inside the bosom of your gown go cried alexia pointing to the door with an imperious gesture 
leave me to myself the housekeeper went with the impression that miss boutchafan had fallen upon her knees beside her chair and that she was sobbing harsh suffocating sobs beneath the shining veil of her streaming hair peace returned to the doctor's household the children were calmed manageable they stood in awe of their governess but they liked her in the staid canonbury house mrs boutchafan was popular her name was the only stumbling block her pupils could not pronounce it the servants blundered over it and mrs jessop declared it heathenish by slow degrees it was dropped and she became merely mademoiselle End of chapter three